0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, we are glad that you're here today. My name is Paul, if you're a guest with us, I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. I just wanna welcome you. So we're the last week of Advent because Christmas is, is this weekend. It's one of those odd years that Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Uh, but if you don't wanna go, we have early Christmas Eve on Saturday as well as Christmas Day on Monday. So lots of services for you to check out and, and come to and celebrate with your family. Uh, But we're wrapping up here in Advent this this sermon series called Come, Lord Jesus. And on Wednesday nights, we've been looking at the book of Revelation and thinking about what that means for our lives. And and here we have at the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation 21, there's just one chapter after this, uh, this this beautiful, beautiful uh, picture of a God who makes all things new. A God that makes all things new. So I want to talk about what that means tonight. First of all, let's just think about new things. So it's Christmas time. Kids, especially, you excited about presents? Just a little bit, right? I remember uh, uh, Christmas is fun. You get to unwrap those presents. And there's just something exciting about new things, right? Uh, there's just something exciting about new things, new toys, uh, some, some, some thing in your life that, that's brand new that you get to play with, you get to explore. Uh, I remember when I was probably around 13 years old, there was a big box underneath the tree and I was really excited because bigger is better. <laughs> bigger is better. And, uh, and I opened up that Christmas, and my parents had gone all out and it was a Sony boombox. Some of you kids don't know what that is, but adults are like, yes, right? And, and this one was cool. It was black, and it had two cassette players, right? So you could make your own mixtapes. Yes. Kids, you can ask your parents what that is all about. I think it had high-speed dubbing on it. Really, really cool. And my very first CD player. Exciting, exciting. And, and I got two CDs, which was the... Limit of everything I listened to when I was 13, and it was a Metallica CD and a Garth Brooks CD. <laughs> you got those two down; you don't need anything else, right? That was that was the essentials, and it, and it was exciting and it was it was fun uh, to have this new toy that you could blare in your in your room. I remember it had uh, you could put 10 D-cell batteries on it in it, and you could listen to music for 36 minutes without <laughs> plugging it into the wall. It was, it was awesome, right? You, kids, you guys have it really good right now in terms of the technology that you have in terms of listening to music. It's amazing. This was so fun to, to, to open this present and to explore. New things are awesome, right? What it is, it's a, a new gift, a new clothes, uh, a new car, a new home, a new opportunity. There's excitement to it. There's, there's energy to are we're, we're, we're discovering something. We're re- receiving something that is good. But those new things that we experience in life, while they're initially fun, they do lose their luster a little bit, don't they? That boombox, you know, it got outdated. And I remember, I think the next year, I got a Sony Walkman, remember those? Or the Discman? You put a CD in a, in a thing, and it had a 21-second delay. So you had about 21 seconds of walking you could do before it started skipping. And so you would time that out. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but, but they lose their luster after a while those new things, we worship a God that makes all things new. A God that makes all things new will make all things new. And when God makes things new, here's how it differs from the new things that we make in this world or we discover. When God makes all things new, it's a forever transformation. When God makes things new, they never lose their luster. They never lose their hope. They never lose what God has imparted into them. And so I want us to think about this text today and think about what that means in terms of our lives. You know, sometimes when we read through the book of Revelation, it's it's easy to misunderstand what it's about. It's a letter written to seven churches in Asia Minor, and it has warnings and has words of encouragement for them as they live out their faith in the world today. But it also makes some prophetic statements, some prophetic statements. And that's the stuff I think we get, we get scared about. When we look at this text from, from Revelation and we look at what Jesus said today in our gospel, I want to give you some words of encouragement. The first is, when we think about this, these are not things that are to make us anxious. I think we can, we can do this and we can look to the future and we can look to biblical prophecy and, and we can be filled with worry and we could be filled with, with dread. But these are not things to make us anxious. They're actually meant to give us comfort and hope. Because what we discover about that is that, that we're not to obsess about when the end of the world is going to happen. You probably hear you know, a lot of people talking about because there's wars and rumors of wars, just like Jesus said, in our world right now. We're not to worry about that because Jesus clearly says, only our Father in heaven knows the day only our Father in heaven. So it's a waste of time and a waste of energy for us to try to obsess about that or figure it out or worry about it. Instead, we need to know that God's got it in control. And it's in his will and his perfect plan. And because of that, we trust in him and we embrace today, we embrace today. But also we can look forward to the future with great comfort Because we know, Revelation says, when we're in Christ, when we're in Christ, he will be our God and we will be his people. Did you hear those beautiful words? He said, he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Mourning and crying and suffering and pain will be no more. That's a day that we are hopeful for. That's a day that we long for as we follow the God who makes everything new. God makes everything new. And one day he will restore all of creation. He'll redeem it. But the promise is not that that's just a one day, someday thing. Because that reality we have a foretaste of in our life today in Jesus Christ. When we know that Jesus ushered in heaven by becoming incarnate and walking among us. We know that we can grab a hold of that future promise today and God can birth and God can create a new thing in you and in me. And so that's what I want to focus on tonight. I want us to just think about how is it that the God who will make everything new is making things new for us today? And my prayer is that you would be able to somehow, some way, grab a hold of that. So the first way I believe that God is making things new is this, is God makes things new by redeeming our story. God makes things new by redeeming our story. What that means is that because Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins and God showed us his grace and mercy through him, we have this powerful gift that has the ability to redeem the mistakes, the sin, and the hurts of our past. And it's called forgiveness. It's forgiveness. It's, it's the forgiveness we receive from God, and it's the forgiveness that we can offer to others. That we can know that one of the ways that God can, can redeem our story is not to let the past define us anymore. Not to get stuck in in anger, not to get stuck in grudges, not to get stuck in, in those hurts, in that pain, the shame and the fear that the wounds of this life can cause, but to move forward and give that to God so that he can create something new. He can replace that anger, he can replace that hurt with love and joy and peace and grace. You know, I was reading stories about that. There's lots of stories in this world and, 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 and kind of got focused on uh, a whole nation that is being restored right now by God's forgiveness. Did you know that there is a nation that's being restored by the power of forgiveness? If you remember in 1994, there was a horrible atrocity in Rwanda, in Africa. Horrible atrocity. It was a genocide. Uh, there was a lot of cultural division between two classes of people, basically an upper class and a lower class people, that were the same people. And this division had been caused because of bad colonial practices. It had been caused by uh, people abusing religious structures, right? It was probably an example of maybe the church at its worst behavior, but this decision ultimately resulted in the, in the lower class, which was by far the bigger part of the population, rising up in revolt in over a 100-day period. 800,000 people died. In 100 days. Horrible atrocity. An act of genocide against half of the population. And there were stories that you know, I'm not going to repeat here, but did you know, we, we don't hear about it often, right? That made the news. But the good stuff doesn't make the news as often as it should. That in the, in the 20 plus years since, or, or longer since that, this nation is now walking unified. The two tribes that w- w- hated each other, even though they're, they're, it's difficult, are now walking in, in, in justice because they held those accountable in truth, but also restoration because of the power of forgiveness. There's a story uh, about a woman named Immaculée. She was 24 years old in 1994. When the genocide came, she hid in a small bathroom with seven other women for 91 days to survive this. Could you imagine? Right? She lost family, friends. During those 91 days, to keep herself sane, she was Catholic. She she had a rosary, and she would pray every waking moment, the rosary, over and over again, imploring God's love in her life. And then, of course, she was angry at what had happened. But rather than in her anger seeking revenge, Immaculate said that the only path that she could find was to forgive as Jesus had forgiven. And she said it was a supernatural act that God came upon her because she couldn't do it upon her own power and gave her the ability to forgive. That story is multiplied right now across a nation that is practicing collectively by the grace of God, forgiveness, for one another. How cool is that? God is able to redeem the worst situations with his grace and his love. Now most of us, that's a foreign idea to us, right? We'll never experience anything like that. But we all have hurts. We all have wounds. We all have people that if we live long enough, we feel have betrayed us let us down, abused us. And maybe that person that has done that is the one you see in the mirror every morning. God gives us a way to move to something new. And it's through his forgiveness. And forgiveness is not something we do. It's simply a surrender to God's love. It's a surrender to say, God, I'm going to place this in your hands. I don't want to live in bitterness. I don't want to live in anger. I don't want to live that way anymore. And I'm going to choose instead to forgive as we have been forgiven by your son so we can move forward in unity and grace. I think our world is in need of some forgiveness right now and some mercy so that we can move forward together as God's children in love. One of the ways that God makes things new is he rewrites our past. Another way that God makes things new is he renames our present. He renames our present. What do I mean by that? When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we come to belief When we know His goodness and mercy in our lives and how much we are loved and what He did for us on the cross and surrender to that in life, it is simply a miracle. It's a miraculous event. It's a transformation of our soul in which God is giving us, the Bible says, a new birth. And we are literally becoming a new creation in Jesus Christ. And we are given a new name. The name that we receive is not the, the, the surnames that we carry and the last names that we have. Our name becomes child of God. My, I'm not Paul Ninus, I am. But I'm Paul Edward, child of God. Because God has made me new. And God is making All of us knew. And because of that, because of that, our pasts are rewritten, but also we can be different in our present. This means that you are not defined by the patterns of this world, but you are transformed by the grace of heaven. This means that we don't live in the sin and brokenness of this world. Revelation had a pretty Harsh lists there didn't, right? Murderers, idolaters, those that seek evil in this world. That's the pattern of the sin-stained world. When we are new in Christ, when we are named child of God, our today becomes different. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. When God makes us new, he adopts us into his family and even today he is redeeming all that has been lost to sin. Now this process when we come to faith in him it is it is God's work it's not our work. And when he claims us for salvation I want you to be assured today that if you know him if you know him that there is no doubt that you belong to him. If you know him, there is no way that you can lose what God has done for you. You cannot lose your salvation because God is the one that saves us on the cross by his work alone. So we cannot, therefore, lose it because it's not our work to lose. It's what God has done and what God has claimed. It's that truth in our lives. And when we know that, he begins this transformative process in us. Biblically, theologically, we call it sanctification. And no, sanctification doesn't have to do with Santa Claus. Right? It's spelt differently. There's a C in there. Sanctification is this process where every day, by faith, as we work together as a body of Christ, as we pray, as we read his word, God continuously molds us, shapes us, changes us more and more into his likeness and his image. If you don't see that happening in your life, I would encourage you that every day you have access to this power called the Holy Spirit to make all things new in your life, to receive that transformation in your life. Lastly, God makes things new Because he gives us a new hope. He gives us a new hope. The future is in God's hands. I want to proclaim some really good news to you today. You know what? I've read the end of the book, and Jesus Christ sits on the throne. I don't know, I think you heard me. I've read the end of the book and Jesus Christ sits on the throne. He is victorious, and the good news of that is that even though this world may be broken, and even though this world may be sin-stained, we know that ultimately in Jesus Christ, God will make all things new, and he is the definition of our life, and he is the definition of our future, and he alone is victorious. We worship a God, we follow a God, we believe in a God that holds our future, and your future is secure in him, and this changes everything. Because we walk in this world knowing that that we don't belong, this is not your home, ultimately. We are all citizens of heaven in Jesus Christ. You were made for eternity. This world has a lot of blessings in it, yes, but it is not our ultimate home. And there is tremendous comfort. There's tremendous strength in that knowledge that that we worship a God that's making things new today by his grace, but one day will make all things new and there will be no more mourning or crying or suffering or pain. You know, one of the the privileges that we have as pastors is, is in this congregation, when there is a death, We have the sacred privilege of meeting with you to commend your loved ones into God's eternal care. And sometimes people will ask us, well, how can you do that? I mean, how can you do that? You know how we can do that? Not by our own strength. We can do that because we believe there's a resurrection. We believe that there's a God who makes all things new. And that future hope changes things today. I I see it all the time. I saw it this fall. I buried this fall two men about my age. Men with wives, men with children who both died tragic deaths. And if we had no hope, we would gather and remember that person and some of the good things they do and we'd leave the church completely empty because it would be senseless. But because we have a God who... is victorious even over death. I watched as these families, yes, they grieved, but God came into their life and they were filled with a comfort that they could not explain. I watched as a community of believers surrounded them and supported them and prayed for them and encouraged them and provided for them, and cooked meals for them, and listened to them, and prayed with them. That's new life being brought to death because of this God of hope. And I'm continuing to watch as they continue to live out their faith, and as they grieve, them being strengthened by this God, strengthened by this God who is reminding them powerfully that his grace and his love is greater than even the tragedies that they experienced in this life because they know that this life is not the end. It's just a foretaste, right? The grace that we have now is just a foretaste of a feast to come. And so this Christmas is your unwrapping gifts and you're sharing that with the ones that you love. Just take some time, take a pause as you're playing with your Sony boombox (laughs) to give thanks to the God who makes all things new, amen. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy today. We thank you that you make all things new. Lord, make us new. I don't know where everybody's hearts are here today. And I don't know what, what they're wrestling with, but I know that this world wants to sink its teeth into us sometimes and tear us down. I just, Lord, pray that we would know that you are victorious. You're victorious over our past, over today, our present, and you hold our future. We praise you, Lord, that you sit on the throne and that your grace is for us and with us today tomorrow, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.